What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another Angle of Pursuit podcast, your fantasy football, sports betting, and NASCAR home here at fakepigskin.com. I'm your host, Kyle Robert. You follow me on Twitter at NotoriousKRO. With me to break down another NFL slate, it's Brian Twining. What's up, Brian? What's up, Kyle? I'm just hopeful that we get this full week four, and now that we have this news of the first breakout here in the NFL with COVID, so hopefully that's the last. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty impressed to be honest that it's they've been able to kind of single uh keep it to one team and they were able to make it through three weeks without any issues um hopefully yeah like this is a blip on the radar not a trend that we should expect to see coming but you never know teams do what they do and we've experienced an mlb that when they're not bubbled up stuff like this happens so uh yeah so pittsburgh tennessee is not happening for sure so uh adjust your lineups accordingly i'm sure your bets will be re- refunded if you uh if you place any wagers before that game derailed uh but brian we still have a ton to talk about there's there's a bunch of interesting games um as always on this show we hit four games then we break into kind of the best of the rest uh we're gonna start recapping our our card for the week uh so you guys can have that at the end and then hit you with our best bet so without further ado let's jump in let's talk some miami dolphins versus seattle seahawks the uh seahawks are traveling from seattle to miami and yet are seven point favorites um in hard rock stadium where i guess where does your head uh uh, go uh, initially when you see this lineup you know this one i really don't think that the travel is going to be that difficult for seattle to kind of deal with i just think that the way that this offense is set up there and their quick strike ability i think that's probably why the line is set at what it is Mm -hmm. i think the the expectation from the public and from the initial line is that Miami will be able to keep this close because of how bad Seattle's defense has been. But like you kind of alluded to um, this this past Sunday morning, you know, when you're going up against Atlanta, Dallas, New England, like you're going up against three elite teams with with really good quarterbacks and a lot of great weapons on the outside that, you know, aren't just out there playing backyard football. Those are those are top notch NFL offenses. Yeah. And Although I do like the matchup for Fitzpatrick this week as a potential streamer, um, I like the wide receivers in this game. I do not think that they have the firepower or the ability to kind of keep up with the Seahawks. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I feel like Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be a popular streaming option. Um, And I feel like that was kind of the status of Gardner Minshew. I was a smash spot and a good opportunity. And he's got all these things and everybody jumped all over it and it didn't go well at all. Granted one, one instance does not, you know, make every instance like that, but it it, it does concern me when everyone seems to be kind of, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's legit reasons. They're already banged up. They were getting torched, obviously facing Dak Prescott and Cam Newton and Matt Ryan uh, makes things a lot harder than when you're facing Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Devontae Parker's healthy and ready to go. Preston Williams, uh, you know, there's a lot to like about this Uh, at the same time. I still feel like Seattle is probably the right spot. I think people are going to talk themselves into, oh, it's on the road. And, you know, we've seen Fitzmagic look really good a week ago, and they have 10 days to prepare. And everything in my head says Miami's probably the right side, which makes me go, 
but then that's why I like Seattle. And this is an if this was an old school Seattle that liked to run it as much as they used to and that kind of stuff, maybe I'm more inclined to think it can be a little more lower scoring. But um, yeah, I'm gonna take Seattle. I, I think the I think the back door might be open late, which does worry me with Fitz, Fitz Magic. But uh, if I had to bet this game, and it's in it's gone inside of a touchdown now in a lot of spots. So yeah, I think if you can get Seattle like minus six and a half, I, I love that a lot. Yeah, no, if I can get Seattle anything under seven, that's going to be money for me. Um, this is also a game that I'm actually looking at watching this line continue to creep up as I'm I, I'm leaning the under for the fact that Miami plays at one of the slowest paces in the NFL, even when trailing, like they they seem to not play hurry up very good. Um, Seattle, they they have the ability to score from anywhere on the field, and all it's going to take is a qu- a couple quick strikes. As you know, Xavier Howard has not looked like the same guy pre-injury. Byron Jones is still banged up. How the hell is this team going to cover those two crazy, freaking ridiculous monsters on the outside and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett for an entire game? And not to mention the fact that Russell Wilson will be back there against a really blitz-heavy team. And if he breaks contain, you're looking at him having a huge day on the ground as well. Um, I just don't see a way that Miami stays close in this one. I, and this is a game that I may tease up or, or please up at, with Seattle being closer to a two-touchdown favorite. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. Um, and if you look at the line, like – 86% of the bets, 89% of the money is on the over. That means everybody's pounding that over. So if you like the under, yeah, waiting till waiting till Sunday is absolutely the play. Um, let's talk about your Dallas Cowboys. Uh, there was a couple lines this week when I was doing my initial projections and running through everything that, that really caught me off guard. Um, and this, this was one of them. Dallas is at home, um, and they're a four or four and a half point favorite, depending on where you look. Uh, I know Dallas hasn't looked amazing to start the year, but they had that great comeback against Atlanta. They went toe to toe with Seattle. Um, you know, they've had some some real challenges. We've seen Cleveland look much better, like on the Thursday night stage, and then they backed it up, but. Bengals and Washington is not the same as what they're going to see with Dallas, even with this banged up defense. Yeah. The, the Browns are going to have a, a hard time slowing down this, this juggernaut Cowboys offense here. And my big thing for me, the reason why I think the line opened up at where it did was the ability of Cleveland to keep the ball on the ground and potentially mm. control the clock slightly. But that's probably not going to be enough. And anytime you have to put the ball into the cook's hands, Mayfield is not a good baker and he's been he's been overcooking a lot of his throws this year as you could see like he just puts too much zip on him like he hasn't he hasn't learned the ability of touch passes him and Odell are just on the not on the same page now one thing I will say as a Cowboys fan that I'm terrified about is Odell is one of those guys who has a history of torching the Cowboys and mm-hmm. I fully expect him to come out here and potentially have a six for 120 and a touchdown day with yeah. the Cowboys still covering the the four and a half. Like I, I like Dallas against the line. Yeah, I think I like Dallas too. I think they're I like okay, so three games in, like Mike McCarthy, how how are we feeling after the you know, because Jason Garrett was the problem and now it seems like <laughs> McCarthy and Kellen Moore are the problem and 
I don't know. It's it's a weird situation. And Dallas still hasn't paid Dak Prescott. Like, just it doesn't seem like maybe this is a weird spot, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, I'm getting Dallas at home." You know, less than five points. Like, and then and this is where like the Browns went out right and like shock everybody. No, see. I can see how people would kind of think that as the Cowboys have uh, last year, we saw this against teams who had really good defenses in Buffalo and like the Rams and stuff, but Cleveland is not one of those opponents. I know that they've, they've improved on the defensive line as you know, they're top 10 in the NFL and like adjusted line yards uh, with their defensive line. So they're not allowing a lot at, at first contact, but you know, it, this Cowboys offense is a different beast that they're facing. And we saw Baltimore, who just got completely shut down on Monday night against Kansas City, come out here and steamroll the Browns in the first half uh, in week one. And I, I I, can envision the same scenario with Dallas just jumping out to a huge lead early on. And, you know, it'll be difficult difficult sledding for the Browns to come back with the ball in Baker's hands. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're a team that's definitely built to use Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. And when that doesn't happen, things go sideways. Uh Let's talk Green Bay and the Falcons. Like, I'm done. Like, the Falcons are dead to me. <laughs> Every time I want to get on board, they, they let me down. They blow it against Dallas. They they had the game against Chicago. It shouldn't have even been close. Um, and in steps Nick Foles, and all of a sudden, Atlanta's defense just wilts. And, like, I... I don't. I they're dead. They're dead to me. Dan Quinn is is going to be first coach fired after this game. After, uh, I I I don't. I don't know. Well, you know, this is a this is a game that I think it's like one of our first disagreements here. Like all the, as bad as the Falcons have been, mm-hmm. I think this is a game where I'm going to take the touchdown and a half. As good as Green Bay's offense has been, their defense has been as bad. Like they're 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 one of the worst in the NFL in like points per snap against them as they're, they're allowing almost a full point per snap in a game. Like it, it's, it's like 0.6 points per snap. This, this green Bay offense now was coming into a week where the lizard King is, is hurt. He may not play now. Devonte Adams is still recovering from uh, a hamstring issue, which we don't know if, even if he's active, we don't know how healthy he's going to be. And this is also a team who, yeah, they may have beaten New Orleans, but it's not like they were able to get anything really going on the gr- on the ground. Um, Atlanta has been okay defensively against the rush, and the Falcons may get back Julio Jones and Russell Gage this week. So I'm looking at a game where if Atlanta can, instead of shitting the bed late, why don't they just keep it close and be trailing the entirety of the game only to have the opposite happen and try to make a comeback against the defense that is definitely susceptible to two drives against really good passing teams. Yeah, ah, man, it's tough. Cause I, I see where your head's at. And normally I want to agree with you, but like the Falcons are just not good and they're, they have a lot of holes and they make questionable decisions at the end and they're already banged up on both sides of the ball. And, this Green Bay team is looking to be just as good as last year. They were a team that I was kind of like, oh, yeah, no, they'll come back to the pack a little bit. And Aaron Jones will come back to the pack a little bit. And 
he looks good. They're using the tight ends, something I've never seen in Aaron Rodgers' time. And, you know, MVS and Lazard have both stepped up, even without Devontae Adams. It sounds like there's a chance he may play this week. Um, I'm taking the Packers to win at home in a big, big way. Uh, you know, they're, they're seven-point favorites right now. I think, I think Green Bay wins this comfortably. I'm looking at, like... Give me the Falcons with the points. I, I think this is one of those games where the narrative would be a full 180 had Atlanta recovered the onside kick. And if they were, if they would have held on against Chicago, we're looking at a two and one Falcons team who the offense is still elite and the defense would, wouldn't be on the hook for blowing those big leads coming into a game against the Packers team who, yes, they're scoring a ton of points, but they're also allowing a lot of points against an elite offense. So I, I think that seven and a half is one of those that I'm going to take it now, as long as it's seven and a half. But this is another game that if it creeps underneath the touchdown, it, it'll probably lean Packers like heavy, heavy money on that. Yeah. And like so like right now, the, the two primetime games, Sunday night, Monday night, the, the Niners seven point favorites versus Philly and Green Bay seven point favorites versus Atlanta. Like part of me is like, oh, you know, the Falcons and the Eagles both look awful. They're having injury issues. Take the big favorites. I know it's not super comfortable against teams that we've seen play well, but these teams are still overvalued in the public eye because of Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl and because of the Super Bowl yeah. run of Atlanta. The, but I, I, I got to go with the home teams, and I go. With, I know it's not funneling that seven, but um, I, I think they both win in a big way this week and. Maybe I'll end up with an egg on my face. I, I, you know, I Atlanta and Philly, I think are going to be teams that like I don't want to bet against them or bet on them. I'm just going to avoid them completely because I, I don't know. Let's talk yeah, about let's exactly. talk about that Bears team uh, at home this week. Three and zero, the undefeated Chicago Bears. I think they keep it going. They're two and a half point last week. Two and a half point underdogs at home against the Colts. Give me the oh. give me the points, baby. Are, are like is this like a trap and I'm walking right into it like <laughs> hand over fist dropping all my money in the process like I don't I don't understand what I'm missing here Nick Foles is a huge upgrade over Trubisky that defense is sick uh Allen Robinson and 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 David Montgomery and Jimmy Graham's turning into a fantasy superstar again and I like the Colts but in terms of Philip doing what Philip does and the pass catchers. And I don't think they'll be able to establish the ground game. Like they like their defense is already banged up. Malik hookers done for the year. Their front sevens better, obviously adding DeForest Buckner to go with Darius Leonard. That's yep. a sick front seven. Uh, but I think Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham uh, are able to, to, to make some big plays in the secondary. The bears win another game at home and, you know, we talked about this team kind of before the season as a one we were kind of keeping an eye on as a dark horse team uh, thought could make some noise. And all of a sudden they're sitting at four and and looking like a legit playoff team. Yeah, it only took Chicago to listen to every single fan in America to finally put Nick Foles in at quarterback for them to realize that they are a much better football team when that guy is at the helm. Mm. He. He just offers something that Mitchell Trubisky doesn't in, in terms of the, the, the ability to make good decisions on whether to throw the ball away, when, when to try to fit it in the tight windows. Nick Foles is unafraid to throw it down the field to his elite um, high ball receiver yeah. in Allen Robinson, something that Mitchell Trubisky hasn't really ever been able to do. 
Um, this defense, again, like you said, that that front four is still getting after the quarterback. Khalil Mack is is a freaking monster still. Um, even that, even those DBs out there, like they they play a lot better when the team is able to get pressure on the quarterback. Yep. Uh, you know, I'm not. I like the Bears with the points here. Like I'll probably take them. Uh, a money line bet, but it's not one that I'll be including in it if I'm parlaying anything or anything like that. The side that I like in this game is I'm leaning the under the 43 and a half. I could see this as being one of those ugly 17 to 13, 17 yeah. to 14 games with both teams kind of struggling to get anything going on the ground game. And then, you know, because even without Malik Hooker, Indianapolis's pass defense has performed really well due to the fact that, like you said, their front seven is is probably top three, top five in the NFL right now. And yeah. so it, I think this game is going to be extremely low scoring. No, I, I like that call quite a bit. Um, I've watched a lot of Indy the past couple of weeks, you know, and I, I was watching this Bears game. Obviously, it was on Atlanta last week. When Foles came in, there seemed to be a, a, a level of confidence that the Bears yep. were exuding. And Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller, and it just seemed like they were more engaged, more like they're not like, oh, fuck, here we go with this guy again, throwing <laughs> to the wrong team. Even, uh, even with their two consecutive um, unsuccessful drives with Foles at the helm, you could see the demeanor of the team completely change. The defense yeah. – had like a different level of exuberance. The offense didn't look downtrodden every time there was an incomplete pass or, you know, a poor run. Like they, they had, they have faith in Nick Foles as a leader. When Mitchell Trubisky back there, they were just praying that he wasn't running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. Let's talk the best of the rest. Let's run through a few more games. Uh, The Bills Raiders was one you wanted to mention. Raiders are three point underdogs at home. Uh, speaking of my best bet from last week, the Buffalo Bills, I was feeling so <laughs> good at halftime. Oh, uh, I was like, oh, this is going to be a rocking chair win. I was so right about this. And then come the fourth quarter, uh, the Rams catch steam, put up some points, take the lead. And I'm like, oh, shit, here yep. we go. Uh, but Josh Allen was able to make enough plays, scored a touchdown at the end. Uh, and help me cash my bills money line, my bills minus two. Um, it was aided by by a questionable pass interference call. It probably was pass interference, but it's just yeah. one of those that yeah. you know. Just there's in this situation, and I noticed that you know there's a questionable here, but then there's a questionable there later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now they're on the road in a a spot that's. I I guess I guess we have to decide. Like, is this Bill's team like really fucking good 12 and four like legit like AFC can like pseudo contender and and if that's the case then three points is 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 still not enough like on the even on the road or this is still the Bill's team we've seen in previous years well they'll have good games and they'll win games they should um, especially at home but They'll also have, go on the road and lay stinkers and, and not do well. We saw the Raiders look great uh, in their home opener against New Orleans, which New Orleans were starting to question kind of what they're doing. So maybe it was more about New Orleans in that case. But Darren Waller's banged up. Josh Jacobs is banged up. This is a really good defense against a questionable offense without Henry Ruggs, without Brian Edwards potentially. Like the Raiders have a lot of question marks coming into this game. and. Um, 
so for me, I think the Bills are legit, and I think that three points isn't enough. And if I had to bet it, the Bills would be the side. But what about you? So, I mean, you're going to get a lot of people, even with the Raiders injuries, who are going to look at that three and a half as a home dog and be like, oh, man, they they beat the Saints at home as a three and a half point underdog. Darren Waller just absolutely destroyed New Orleans. Like, they're going to be hammering the, the Raiders here. And that, to me, I'm sorry. Hell no. Give me the Buffalo Bills. We are fully circling the wagons here. This team is for real. They they proved it last week when they were when they let the Rams go on a 31 to nothing spurt to take the lead in that game. And the fact that they were able to come back and win that on the last drive, Josh Allen's maturation is here. Yeah. He has supplanted, he has cemented himself as a top eight quarterback in the NFL right now. That was also without uh, Smokey Brown on the field who injured himself late in the third quarter against the Rams. He's, he's practicing right now. So he should be back this week. The side that I'm on uh, this week too, is not just the bills, but I love their team total over 26 and a half. Like the bills have scored over 27 in all three games this year, while also they're allowing almost 26 points a game to the jets, the dolphins and the Rams last week. So the bills are going to come out early and often. They've been chucking the ball at like 64, 65% of all their plays. The yeah. Raiders are atrocious on defense. We saw new England just absolutely control the game against them. And Cam, Cam didn't really have to do nothing. And that was like my second favorite bet last week was betting the Patriots as much as possible. Um, you kind of knew that was going to happen, but yeah, no, I love Buffalo this week. That's, that's one of my favorite, my favorite lines. Let's talk about the other half of that game. Cause the Rams were kind of underwhelming and, you know, and we kind of felt like this was going to be a bad spot for them where they, you know, had to go east and then come back to the west, and then go back to the east, and uh, came out a little lethargic. But seeing what they were able to do for four quarters and really stick in a game that could they could have easily been like, "Oh, we'll wrap it up. We'll we'll call it a day. We'll get ready for next week. No worries." Uh, but they, you know, Darrell Henderson, they're they're still running the ball incredibly well against good defenses. Uh, Jared Goff looks back to the old form that led the the Rams to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, two tight ends, two receivers, like they have so much talent. Um, now they're home after that game as 13 point favorites uh, against the Giants. Uh, I guess, do you lay it? Like, do we just say, well, the Giants are horrendous and, you know, Daniel Jones is terrible and really regressing and, you know, Devontae Freeman, if Saquon Barkley isn't the answer, Devonta Freeman sure isn't the answer. Uh, but when I set this line, when I was because I, I go through and and predict kind of what I think the line's going to be, I had the Rams as a touchdown favorite. Now they're up with two touchdowns. Uh, do do we hold our nose and take the Giants, or do we delay it and or we just run away and and don't touch this game? Uh, you know, this is this is one of those abnormal games where I will probably be laying the thirteen and a half with the Rams just kind of seeing what San Francisco was able to do last week, minus their like top six offensive players. And the Rams are coming in like healthy. Daryl Henderson is looking like the guy that we thought we were going to get last year. Um, All three of the wide receivers are balling out. Josh Reynolds looked like the guy who we thought was going to be the new best thing there. Um, You know, Tyler Higbee is playing well. Gerald Everett is healthy. They're protecting Jared Goff. The defense is still able to make stops. Well, I guess not when they need it against Buffalo, but the defense is still really good. The Giants, 
like we said last week about that that backfield situation, they they cannot generate yards on the ground. They're not protecting Danny Dimes. Now they go up against the friggin' beast that is Aaron Donald. Like I can see I can see the Rams defense scoring more points than the Giants can put up on the board this week, which is why I like the Rams laying the two touchdowns. Yeah, and like normally I'm not a big fan of teasers just because I don't think there's as much value in them as they seem to be. But like a Packers, Niners, Rams three team like seven point tease because you're getting the Packers and the Niners just to win, and you're getting through ten, you're getting through seven, um, and, and you know you're getting basically the Rams minus six if you do a full seven pointer. That that is cre- incredibly appealing, but. I'll, you know, the one other team that I would consider is Seattle, but I, I hate going with a, a big favorite on the road. Like if you can get those are tough because it just it doesn't it seem like there's a couple times a year where and it's it, Miami too. Miami yeah. is notorious for playing really well at home. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of where my head's at. Um, any other games you wanted to hit on anything else jumping out to you? So the the last one that I wanted to talk about was something that you and I talked about prior to recording here, and it's probably my favorite bet of the week and something I've already hammered, and that's got to be the Ravens as a seven-point line for the first half against Washington. This is a Washington football team who it comes out today that Terry McLaurin is nursing, I think it was a like a, a groin injury or, of some kind. They're without Chase Young on the defensive side of the ball, which is a huge blow to this team, which is now facing a Ravens team who's going to be pissed off that they got smoked against Kansas City. The Ravens have put up 24 and 20 points against two teams that they were supposed to destroy in the first half, which was against Cleveland and Houston. Washington is allowing an average of like 18 to 19 points in the first half while they've only scored a total of 14 in the first half this year. They've only scored two touchdowns. The Ravens are absolutely going to steamroll the the Washington football team in the first half. And I could see this game as being Kyle Kyle mentioned it 24 to three, even potentially 28 to three at halftime. So I'm going really hard and heavy on Baltimore minus seven first half and the team total of 23 and a half first half points for the Ravens. I like it. I like it a lot. Actually, you already bet it, so I'm right there with you. Uh, before we leave, best of the rest, I do like the Minnesota Vikings on the road. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I, this is not good. I, I, I'm i on them, too. Oh, God. So, exactly. like, <laughs> the fact that they had no COVID results and they were able to practice and do what they need to do is, is a great sign. Um, they're Pass rush isn't amazing, which kind of worries me because the biggest weakness for Houston is that yeah. that offensive line. But like, I they took a huge step forward last week against my Titans. I watched the game very closely. Um, Kirk Cousins looked much better. Now it's still Kirk Cousins, and it's on the road. But like, I could see this game not being very good. I could see this game, you know, kind of being a slugfest and 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 the Texans even winning it. But like it's a feel, it feels like a field goal game either way. So if I get four, four and a half, depending on where you're betting out of Minnesota, I feel like that's the right side. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page with you. You know, we we warned everybody about the uh, Justin Jefferson breakout, and it came and it was a big one this past Sunday. And now that they've established that there are two legit options on the outside, 
This pass offense is going to open up slightly. I think maybe we'll see them kind of involve the tight ends a little bit more against Houston. Um, Dalvin Cook had his career best game on the ground last weekend. We'll see him this week in the passing game a little bit more as Minnesota's defense will have issues against Houston. But this will be a game that will be back and forth, up and down all day. And like you said, if, if I'm getting more than a field goal in a close game, in a game that I'm anticipating to be really close, then I'll take that every day. Yep. Uh, I want to talk the total of this game too because I was looking at it and it felt a bit aggressive. Uh, it's at 53.5 right now. It opened at 54.5. It's already come down a full point. Doesn't that seem like a lot for these two teams? Like, I know we saw Minnesota score, what, 30 points last week, but I feel like Minnesota at home versus Minnesota on the road. I know Houston has been able to put up points in some spots, and but, like, it feels like Brandon Cooks is either great or nothing. I feel like Will Fuller is either great or nothing. They can't get anything out of David Johnson. Um, I, I just – it feels aggressive. Well – to lead off, um, I would just like to mention that Will Fuller was added to the injury report today with a hamstring injury. So of course. <laughs> there, of course. There's that again. Death we we told Will, you. Will Fuller's hamstring failing on him. <laughs> we told everyone about that before the season started. But no, yeah, I feel like the books are taking advantage of the the early season struggles of, of NFL defenses to stop opposing offenses as the, there's been some extremely high scoring games and probably more than we've seen in a really long time, but yeah. it'll, it'll eventually correct itself. And especially for the Vikings team going up against a Houston offensive line, who is probably the worst in the NFL. And it doesn't matter who the hell's rushing the passer. Like they'll, they would, they would allow me to get to Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah. And it, especially if Minnesota were to get out to a lead in this game, they're still their offensive game plan is still to hand the ball off to Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook all day. And if they can get a lead and just continue to run the ball, this could be one of those games where everyone's hammering the over and it winds up twenty-four to seventeen. Yep. Uh before we talk our best bets and recap our week four picks, I did want to mention a couple college lines that I'm looking at. Uh Baylor minus two and a half, minus three is incredibly interesting. I know they're on the road. Uh, West Virginia is just not as good as they have been. They're they're still trying to figure out kind of the next look of that offense. Uh, South Carolina, I know it's going into the swamp, but like Florida is good. Kyle Pitts is a stud, uh, but I think if you can get it over seventeen, it's I'm worth worth taking a shot at. And then we have Service Academy unders this week, Brian. Uh, Navy, Navy and Air Force are playing. the uh, The total is somewhere between 46, 47, depending on where you look. I take it all the way down to forty five. Uh, just a little, a little something to stick in your pocket. Uh, the under since two thousand five has gone thirty five nine and one. Uh, when two service academies play against each other. And oftentimes the, the under hits by light. I think that the average hit rate is by six or like it goes under by almost a full touchdown. Um, last year I, I had to sweat one out. That was a little concerning. Um, and I think both these offenses are, are, are compelling where if they were facing other teams, but they, when service academies play each other, they tend to play a little more slow pace. They tend not to run up the score if the games get lopsided. Well, uh, they, they're also extremely familiar with the offensive game plans of the yeah. opposing team because they play the same exact offense. So, 
yeah so i would i would bet a farmer too um on on this on the under this week and um give you a little something on saturday so brian let it let us recap our week four bets i'll have you start off first who what what is your card looking like uh this week so i'm liking i'm liking baltimore first half minus seven i like the cowboys minus four and a half up to five against the browns i think i like the bills minus two and a half minus three and a half even at the raiders and my best bet is going to be the Bills team total over 26 and a half. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go Green Bay minus seven. I'm going to go the Niners minus seven. I'm not going to feel great about it, but I, I feel like those are going to do do right by me. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears. Um, I w- <laughs> as long as you can get it, uh, you know, plus two or hit the money line. I am willing to do that. I think if the bears become the favorite in this game, I'd be a little concerned, but I think this is a close game. I'll, I'll take those points. Um, and I, I'm absolutely with you on, on Baltimore. I think the first half line makes too much sense. Um, While you stew over your best bet, I'll add one more for me just for the sake of argument. I'm taking Atlanta plus the seven. Thoughts and prayers, my friend. Uh, I'm going to make the Bears my best bet. Uh, I I don't I don't love it, but uh, Brian's doing his dirty bird dance for anybody <laughs> not joining on YouTube. Uh, you're really missing out. You really you should really really do that. And uh, as as we get ready to uh, to sign off, make sure you mash that thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you're rating, reviewing on Apple Podcasts. It really does do a lot for our show. Help us keep cranking these out and uh, creating content for y'all. So, uh, as always, in the comments, let us know your best bet for the week. If you get some, if we hit some winners, we'll start mentioning you uh, on next week's show. Also, Sunday morning, we're here for an hour between 11:30 and 12:30, uh, answering your fantasy questions, answering your betting questions, um, and help getting you set for another week. Brian, with further ado, uh, enjoy week four, and uh, I'll talk to you next time.